everybody, and welcome to the Church Leaders Roundtable podcast. My name is Darren Calhoun, pronouns he, him, and we are here once again talking about money. Must be the money. Um, Today, we have a special guest with us, but before we get into the topic, I want to introduce my co-host, Kevin. Hey there. Sarah. Hey. And Stacy. Hey, everyone. And uh, today's guest is someone who I've known for a number of years now and who we've been through the highs and the lows. And I even saw the ocean for the first time when I got to meet him, um, which is relatively unrelated to the topic. But it's just fun stuff to know. I like to um, be associated with the ocean. Yes, yes. It's it's expensive and should be free, too. Um <laughs> But Kyle is somebody who uh, I think all of us have people that we keep, um, or I hope all of us have keep people that we keep around just to keep us on our toes, to be thinking outside of the box, to be introducing us to ideas and history that maybe we don't know ourselves. And for me, one of those people is Kyle, uh, somebody who's knowledgeable, um, who does not bite his tongue except when absolutely necessary. Um, So buckle in and welcome Kyle to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much, Darren. Thank you, everybody. Um, I'm Kyle. I, I'm a Christian theologian, and I'm excited to talk with you about money. Um, I, I never meant to think very much about economics or think very much about money. I like uh, I like Jesus, and I like scripture, and I like history. Uh, but more and more, as I spend my time in the church, interacting with people and uh, talking with them about how to how to live the Christian life, it really does matter who owns things uh, and whether people have money and what kind of jobs they have. Uh, it makes a big difference to how people are able uh, to live lives of faithfulness. So I've been getting more and more mouthy, uh, not just about the Christian faith, but also about economics and uh, capitalism and socialism over the last few years. Ah, we've already stumbled on the S word. Fighting <laughs> <laughs> words. Socialism. Tell me, um, so like what is your what's your 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 church background? What does that look like? Just so we can get a sense of are you a godless liberal or or how does that work for you? <laughs> well, at first I was a godless little pagan, um, country religion out in uh, Appalachia. Uh, mm-hmm. so I grew up in Appalachia. And I was one of the like six people that didn't go to church. Um, And so, but I got, I got, uh, I got kind of Christ curious when I was like 15. So, and when I realized I had some friends who went to church, I asked them to take me along, Uh, was bored out of my mind. Uh, But I was really curious about this whole deal. So I asked more friends to take me to their churches and I continued to be bored uh, until somebody finally took me to a church where they did that thing that Baptists love, expository preaching from the Gospels. And that was the first time I heard a sermon about Jesus. And I got really excited about this Jesus person. Um, and I kept going back to hear about Jesus. Um, and after about six months of going to a church and hearing about Jesus, I'm like, oh, I, I think I believe in this thing. I think I believe in this guy. Um, 
Uh, so I, uh, I, I, I told them that and I said, oh, we're going to baptize you. Uh, and you just, uh, you just read to, you read your Bible and pray for the rest of your life. Hmm. And now look what's happened. How, how's that working out for you? <laughs> uh, I'm having a good time mostly. Um, I, uh, I'm learning over time to be, you know, loving instead of, uh, uh, defensive and terrible and sinful and. Uh, all those other things, uh, but I was a, a, a Baptist Christian uh, for the end of high school and into college. But then I discovered uh, uh, the tradition of the English Reformation. Uh, it has particular gifts, particular anointings uh, that were just what I needed at a particular point in time. Uh, so I, I started walking in that tradition, and I have ever since. So. I am uh, a, an Episcopalian. I am a, a lay preacher uh, and and theologian, um, and I've uh, so I do that. I've wor- I also worked as a as a bookseller, as library staff, did some time in food service. Uh, so yeah, a lot of selling my labor for the Lord and for food and shelter. Mm. And uh, I, I'm I'm just like chomping at the bit, but I like want to just again set this foundation of who you are and 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 what you do in the world. So so what other what words would you use? Um, take as many as you like, but what words would you use to describe who you are now? Uh, gosh, I would definitely say that I'm a socialist. Um, I. It's important to me that I'm a teacher, um, and as I as I uh, uh, venture through my adulthood, I think of teaching as very much about um, coming alongside people, uh, being a companion, uh, and asking good questions rather than telling people things I think they need to hear. Uh, uh, even though it doesn't always seem that way on the internet. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I'm a socialist. I'm, uh, um, yeah, that's a, that's an, a big one for me because, um, if I were to tease that out a little bit, it means I take yeah. a certain stand for human dignity, uh, oh. and what, what everybody deserves. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian socialist. Um, and I'm a bad Marxist, uh, because Marxism is a materialist philosophy and I believe in Jesus and the the God who raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, and lots of, and, and people want to tell me I'm a bad Christian, so I'm fine being a bad Christian, uh, and a bad Marxist. Um, uh, I'm a worker. Uh, I'm not part of the owner class. I sell my labor. Uh, to others in order to eat and to have shelter and sometimes to have health care. Um, and more and more, um, I think about and talk about my connection to uh, Appalachia. I, I tell people right away, uh, listen, I'm a hillbilly. Um, I come from people who sell their labor, right? I don't mm-hmm. have business owners. I don't have bosses in my family line. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the way through for me, it's people trying to get by. Um, 
And so, but I also know it's, uh, it's different for me uh, because I'm a, I'm an educated white man in America. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that changes things too. That makes things uh, different than what it would be for me if I, if I didn't have the privileges that come with that. Yeah. So we've already uh, entered into the space where this episode will have the explicit rating because you said socialism and you said Marxist and you, you've, you've hit all these points. Um, tell us, how, how did you end up in this, this wretched place that you are when it comes to these, these ideals? I, I grew up thinking that Marxism and socialism all equate to communism and communism all equates to a bad and, 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 and horrible way to, to live in the world because that's what Russia was. Yeah. But, but I'm, I am, I am trying to, I'm trying to find out like what, what do those words actually mean? I love definitions. Um, I, I think one of the most important things we can do uh, and, and having conversations about important stuff is uh, is to clarify values and to clarify uh, concepts. Um, so, like, um, but to, but to start with me, since you asked, um, I am somebody for whom, like, yes, I'm a worker and I come from workers um, from like the rural mountains. Um, but I'm also a white male who like did the right things to get the right kind of education. So that means a lot of the things in American mythology about if you will just like work hard and pay your dues, do your time, uh, whatever they like to say, you can, you can climb the ladder, right? And then you can go from being a worker to being a small-time landowner uh, to being a boss to uh, making money off of other people. And then you can be secure. And we all just climb the ladder in our turn, right? Uh, that's, the, that's the assumption that goes with that mythology. But the problem is I, I paid a little bit of attention to other people uh, as much as a 20-something man will do. Um, but other people I worked with uh, at, my ver- at my various jobs, you know, I didn't have to support a family. I didn't have kids going through my 20s and 30s. Um, but I was friends with people who did. And I knew what it was like for me to not have health insurance. But I would think about, but what if I also had a kid? who didn't have health insurance? Or what if I had a chronic illness, like so many people do, uh, but didn't have health insurance? And I remember um, kind of coaching friends who were coming out of college, no, 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 Uh, when you apply for jobs, don't ever mention that you have a chronic health condition. Uh, this that's not something you can mention casually uh, in the same way that like while they can't legally ask you these questions if you volunteer this this information they'll realize you're three times as expensive as any other employee and and give you a pass um, and so I you know I was bothered a little bit 
by not having health insurance through much of my 20s, but knew that other people would be bothered a lot. Um, and as I just started to realize how much it costs to rent things and what it's like if you don't have property passed down to you by your parents, like if you don't have land and a house passed on to you, uh, like a lot of us do in rural America-ish, um, it's, it's just a very different life. So I had a lot of friends for whom that story, that American mythology uh, that undergirds the commitment to capitalism. And it just wasn't working. And I knew they worked harder than me. It wasn't because yeah. they were lazy. Yeah. And that's, that's like, like, that's the the crux of it. So many, so many people have been handed that, like, I love that the way you said that, that American myth, that idea that we just need to quote unquote, put in the work. And um, it's often been so hard, not, you know, not only talking about finances, but the way that it intersects with other forms of oppression to, uh, to, to explain to poor white people that racism is a thing because they have been discriminated against because of their finances in ways that many times people of color are discriminated against. And then it, it just causes this kind of disconnect where they don't see that all of these oppressions are working together to maintain something. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's really, yeah. I, I just love that mythology kind of framing for it. So when we, when we get into, when we get into just where we are right now, um, one of the things that, that I've noticed a lot is black lives matters leaders, um, have been uh, derailed or, or or derided as as being Marxists, um, and then we all often get into lots of back and forth about what that means. Um, and there's usually a fear about this is going to lead to socialism. I just saw a video online where um, where a Trump supporter was out there on a bullhorn, um, just yelling about. Socialism takes away control from the people. And another guy on the bullhorn was just like, socialism is, you know, the means of labor being owned by the people. <laughs> how, how, how is it scary to you? Yeah. Um, like, help, help, us, help us out. Like, help us understand maybe why it's, what, what it is, what is socialism and why is it so scary to, to us? Uh, I think it is impossible to overestimate the effect of decades of American propaganda, uh, both within the United States and around the world. Yeah. Um, do you know that when the, after the Bolshevik revolution, uh, the Bolshevik was uh, a political party uh, in Russia uh, that pushed not for reform, but for revolution. Uh, and it was the Bolsheviks who won. Um, and one of the one of the issues that they were pushing on was the uh, abolition of private property. Um, and that's distinct from personal property, right? The joke is, oh, the the communists are coming to steal your toothbrush. Uh, no, you still get to own your own underwear and you get to own your own toothbrush and all these things. You even have your own car and house. But um, uh, private property refers to 
like the factories, the buildings, the tools you need in order to turn resources into products, uh, things that you need uh, for your labor. Um, and so they're like, we don't want major landowners owning that. Uh, we want the people to control that. But immediately, the United States sent troops to Russia. So there was a civil war in Russia from 1918 to 1921. And the British and the Americans had troops there fighting for the Tsar's regime and people who wanted to uphold, uh, even after the death of the Tsar, people who wanted to push back the Bolshevik Revolution. Uh, so even as far back as then, the United States was committed to overthrowing uh, a, a new socialist regime. The U.S. overthrowing? <laughs> Something happening in another country? I've never heard of this. Yeah. That's my sarcasm voice. Okay. <laughs> um, and remember, at the same time, uh, American troops and American police were shooting down people in the streets of America for protesting to get a 40-hour work week. Mm -hmm. um, this was within the same generation. Um, yeah. And so um, from the beginning, the American government, from the beginning of the Soviet Union, the American government was working to support the interests of big business, yeah. which is the same reason the United States kept invading Latin American countries. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that um, fear is always more exciting than cooperation uh, for people. Um, and just like Islamophobia, uh, for example, is, is blinding uh, Americans now and uh, was used to drum up support for a war on terror that has now gone on for 20 years with no end in sight. Uh, so it was the same with uh, the Soviets. Um, and so the, uh, so the American government was committed around the world uh, to spending money on, on propaganda uh, and interfering with foreign governments. Um, and for American Christians, it also means atheism, because Marxism is an atheist philosophy, uh, mm -hmm. precisely because it is materialist, right? Um, Marxism does not hope for a God to intervene to make things right. Marxism says that people are ruled by their, by their economic relations, and if people want to change those economic relations, they have to do it, not wait for a god to do it for them. Hmm. Which is funny enough, I have to say, sorry, I cut you off, Darren. But that's funny enough, something that I think a lot of Christians would agree with. That we can't just sit here and wait for God to do whatever, but that we've got to, like, God has trusted us to take charge of things. God has given us the Holy Spirit to change the world. Jesus prayed on earth as in heaven, not right. Like you, you get what I'm saying? Like, like there's a lot of these ideals that the words are scary, 
like Darren pointed out, you know, socialism and Marxism and communism and ooh, it means I'm not gonna gonna have my white picket fence. But that's not what it means. And actually, when we get past all the all the BS, a lot of these things actually they they all have kind of common roots. They all have this same idea of we want to make the world better. I just want to do it in a slightly different way than you want to do it, for example. Not that I agree or disagree. Um, but does that make sense? Anybody? <laughs> yeah. And that's the that's the thing that I'm I'm again just trying to wrap my head around because like when I read through Acts and I and I see them doing things like selling their possessions and 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 you know creating a common pot and doing life together, the the mere thought of anything like that in our modern U.S. religious context is often seen as, oh, that is not what God wants. God wants me to be ruggedly independent. And just to, to you know, it's just the whole, the, the whole individual salvation thing contributes to the same idea of I can't be responsible for others, contributes to the same idea of healthcare needs to, you know, not everybody deserves healthcare. Not everybody deserves to make a living wage. And I'm like, why, why and how are Christians saying that they believe Jesus and believe the words in scripture and saying that this is how we should be? I don't, I don't get it. But I mean, I do get why it is. We, we, we've been kind of washed for years and years in these ideals that if people at the top, if the, the most rich are able to make more money, that somehow we're going to be saved by that. Um, but we've got this history of the rich have been getting richer for the last 40 years and everyone's suffering more. Like the middle class is dis- disappearing. We're, we're, uh, people are experiencing higher rates of violence because as the wealth gap increases, so does violence increase. And I'm like, we, these aren't, this, this, uh, this clinging to capitalism isn't the way it always was. This is a relatively new idea in world history, but we kind of treat it like this was what Moses was doing or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, Jesus was a carpenter, and back in the day, that meant that Jesus owned his own business. And so that must mean <laughs> that Jesus was a capitalist with uh, McCarthyism thrown in there somewhere. Wow. Just, just throw some words in. <laughs> the problem is no invoices were found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, there were no pay stubs in those clay pots in that particular garbage dump. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, go ahead, Sarah. I was going to say, I, you know, like, I, I see a lot of, like, the, the back end of how this operates Um, you know, when I was in social services and just the comments that people would make about, you know, the the clients that we serve or the people, you know, the people and it's and how people who have the means want to help, but want to help in how they see fit, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. and it's almost like a, you know, well, this is how I want to help, or this is what I want to do, or I want to offer this. And it's like, you have people, social workers, people that have been in the community, boots on the ground, screaming like telling people what the problems are, telling people what we're seeing, telling people what we need and how we, I mean, ask anybody that's working in the community, they could probably tell you what they need, how they need it, what the, what all the common needs are, the root cause, like what they're seeing in the community. And it's like, 
people aren't listening, <laughs> you know, like the, the idea of like, well, if someone's getting help or someone's on, there's always like this big um, issue with people being on any type of public assistance. And well, if it's, it's like, if you really need it, or there's like all this criteria or the, all, I what always used to annoy me is the one person that probably somebody knows just one person. Just Cause one. I bet they don't know many people that are abusing the system, but somehow that one person seems to speak for everybody. So everybody's everybody. abusing the system, but that's not the case. And again, no one wants to listen to us folks that are, are doing the work and hearing the stories, a lot of the heartbreaking stories of, you know, what needs and what people need and why they're in the in the positions that they're in and the trauma that they've gone through. And it's like it it just you sit there sometimes. And I, I mean, I remember many times just feeling like I feel like I'm just working in circles. I'm seeing the same problems. I've been in the field for years. I'm burned out. We're all burned out. We're all underpaid. And I'm seeing the same problems. And I feel like trying to get make impact and help people's lives. And it's like, is, are things really getting better? And it's exhausting, but you know, we don't want to help people. And this whole idea of socialism that, you know, we can't, I don't want my taxes to go to that program. Or if we're talking about why a program is being cut and well, people just need to work harder or whatever. I've heard so much BS. Like, <laughs> well, I'd rather my taxes go to actually helping out the people next to me than going to the trillion dollars a year that we spend on, on the military. world's largest military and, that yeah. we could cut their budget in half and it would still be bigger than both Russia and China's military combined. Right. But for some reason, they need an extra trillion dollars every single year written in as emergency funding every year for the last 20 years because they don't have enough money somehow. I don't want my taxes going to that. And I'm just trying to make sure that kids go home on weekends and are able to eat. Mm-hmm. Right. Basic needs. Basic just, needs. Right. Being just, just trying to make sure that every child in America actually has access to quality education. Right. That every child in America has, has food security. That every widow and every orphan is taken care of. Sorry, I'm going to get off my soapbox because... Yeah. There's a, a lot of soapboxes soap box. to get I was on. Say, yes. I, I can get on a lot of soapboxes. I had my soapbox this week uh, talking uh, to a health insurance rep, or actually our benefits representative, which is like the management party of the, you know, like the employer's healthcare management and everything. And I was like, you. it was like this whole long conversation. Then I come to find out that we chose this really whacked out like healthcare program that we have to pay our deductibles first, like up to the deductibles before our insurance will kick in. And I was like, wait, that wasn't in the information given to us. So now we're like, so anyway, it's a whole nother story, but it's like the whole aspect of universal healthcare would be like so beneficial to families to people that just you know can't afford health care like so now that because i've chose this crappy health care plan i've got to like weigh okay so i can go to the doctor this time but maybe not this time and then you know just weigh like okay if my kid is really sick then obviously i'm gonna take my kid but if i'm sick then maybe not so much you know i can manage stay home or whatever but 
it's really shitty like that we have to like weigh these things and people all over the country are weighing okay how much do i eat this week because if i eat too much of this like bag of rice this week i'm not going to have any for next week because i don't get paid for two more weeks sort of thing and it's there's a whole like I don't know if you're poor, you're always like micromanaging everything that you have. Well, and, and it's, it's a stressful to... way to live. Like, like, like people talk about that. Well, I work hard and I work, but it's like that lifestyle, having to stress, having to penny pinch, having to sit there and figure out, you know, the saying of like steal from Peter to pay Paul, however it goes, but like mm-hmm. trying to decide which bills can I not pay, which bills. I mean, I grew up in that, like where mm-hmm. we know, like, okay, it's, you know, springtime so we can afford, you know, for, to, for the heat or for, you know, some of the electric to not. <laughs> right. We can open the windows <laughs> this month. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just a reality for a lot of people. And these are just like the different things that people don't consider when you're thinking about like where your taxes are going to, or what programs right. are being cut or how much, you know, worrying about why, you know, so-and-so needs some type of, you know, public assistance or whatever. And all these like, myths that people believe about how much people are getting and what they're doing with the money and how they're, you know, this, that, and the third, and like, whether they're, you know, selling there. And I'm like, well, you know, like, let's look at the root problems. Mm -hmm. If someone is like, you know, selling them, or if there are things that are going on, like, let's look at the issues as to why people are doing the things that they're doing to try to make ends meet, to try to, you know, expand or work the system a little bit because sometimes working the system isn't because people are rich and sitting on a pot of money and just want to be lazy. Sometimes people work in the system because it's not enough. Because I mean, the system works them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, right. right. Like we, we used to do like toy drives and people used to get so mad. Well, this family was at another toy drive. And I'm like, we're only giving them how many, how many toys do you give your kids? (laughs) You're giving them 15, 20, whatever toys and these kids are getting one from one one drive you know in the latino agency we had three kings so the kids got three and (laughs) that they would be you know like we had we we had clients get creative and they would Mm -hmm. send the same kid in with different members of the family so they could go twice and i me i'm just like covering my eyes like like, i haven't seen you before (laughs) (laughs) Well, right, that, like, that sort of thinking, it's all over our society. We had a an Easter egg hunt for Easter, obviously, at church. And the general rule was that we had enough eggs for every kid to grab 12 or 13, somewhere around there. And somebody came up to me after, like, the little kids went, like, five and under uh, kids went. And they were like, hey, you need to go talk to this family because their kids grabbed toys. But then the moms were, the mom was also putting uh eggs into her purse and then her the mom's friend was putting eggs into her purse and you need to go talk to them and i'm like oh i'm sorry did did your kid like and i asked genuinely i was like did Mm -hmm. your kid not get 12 eggs at least 12 eggs they're like no well well my kid did but but it's just that you've got to go i'm like no i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go talk to that like why who who are they hurting Mm-hmm. First off, right, and secondly, why do why do you care? Like we're a church, and I don't care. As one of the pastors, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but to me, it's a sign of we need more resources, right? It just so means next, that next year, year we, we need get more eggs. eggs. We we <laughs> we get more donations for things like 
it's like people get so upset or I've, I've been in situations I, I never forget. Like we had a food drive and someone pulled me aside and was like, that person came in a fancy car. I don't think that, you know, they really need the food. I'm like, why oh. would somebody waste their first, you know, and we can get in the whole thing about that. But like, why would somebody really just come down, take their time out of their day, come down here to get free food? Like, and who are you? <laughs> and what would be the what would be the problem with everyone just having access to food? Like, right. really, like, right? what would be the problem with everyone just being able to get food? And it didn't matter if you had a million dollars at home or if you had two dollars at home. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I, I think I think part of it is that that capitalism has given us this idea that we're all in competition with each other. Mm-hmm. And so we we create these these scarcity of, yep. of housing, even though there's enough vacant housing to give every person who's experiencing homelessness three houses. Like, you, it's not even like there's a lack in any way. We have too much housing, but we still can't afford a, a place to live because we create this scarcity. Mm-hmm. We, it's not like we don't have enough food for everyone. We throw away enough food to completely in, eliminate world hunger. Yep. And, you know, during the pandemic, we, we got to see that they were literally pouring milk down drains because there was too much of it and they couldn't sell it. Not because it wasn't good, not because of anything other than, oh, we can't make a profit from this. And so it's better to throw it away. Um, and so like, Kyle, I, I, I know people, people, people can often see what's wrong, but does socialism have, is it, is it a cure-all? Is it like the silver bullet that answers all of our problems or, or are there problems that can still exist within it? Um, well, there's always going to be problems with everything uh, until, uh, until the second coming of our Lord Jesus. What? Um, but um, um, <clears throat> so, uh, socialism does uh, have a kind of utopian vision uh, that envisions a society uh, that that refuses to accommodate economic exploitation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a um, there can be a lot of kinds of socialist. Um, and the the broadest idea of a socialist is someone who believes that society should be organized to meet human needs mm-hmm. rather than to build wealth in the hands of owners. Um, And so there are types of Christian socialists. um, So like someone can define themselves as a socialist while still allowing for capitalism and a robust welfare state. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's kind of like the, the, the Northern European model, uh, which has its benefits and has its problems. Um, and, uh, there are socialists who, uh, want to see, uh, private property, uh, abolished private property again, meaning, um, the means of production, like factories, uh, what so, you, what so you that doesn't mean like you can't have your own home or room. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> I've seen cartoons where they're like, they're going to take, make you share your toothbrush. Yes. Like, yes. is that really what that means? <laughs> yes. <laughs> my, kid, my kids share their toothbrush and they're fine. I, I, I will have a whole separate conversation there's, there's, about there's, that. <laughs> <laughs> toothbrushes, I want to point out 
They each have three toothbrushes, but for some reason they all end up sharing like two every single night, and they're all right. So I'm just saying. I'm just I'm gonna, children I'm are so upsetting. <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, I beyond- teach teenagers, and they're awful. Also, yes. That's that's, <laughs> that's why Jesus's teen years aren't in the Bible. That's all. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> hey, freaking deodorant, please. <laughs> I I asked the teenagers. I teach. Why are you like this? And they say we were going to ask you the same thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> a good one. Uh, yeah, like yeah they're like the like the that. students I teach are very interested in roasting me. Um, nice. They're like, uh, yeah, their, their parents are like, how do you deal with my kid? I'm like, we just make fun of each other for an hour. It's fine. It's um, great. This is, this is adulting. Apparently this is mentoring. Um, <laughs> and so like, um, uh, other, other socialists are like, we can, we can reform, we can legislate, uh, an eventual end to private property. Uh, and still and again, other private property, meaning the means of production, means like of factories. Of factories, tools you have to have, uh, uh, things that have to be provided uh, to help people do the work to make products. And um, just real quick, I do want to interject for for all of our listeners. The United States currently subsidizes mo- every single farm in America. All, mm-hmm. all of our food production all could not be done without subsidies from the government. All of our car manufacturing could not be done without subsidies from the government. And all of our outs. energy production <laughs> could not be done without subsidies from the government. So we're already, I'll, I'll be generous and say, or conservative, I guess, and say we're already halfway to what Kyle is talking about. We just don't call it that. Right. And it's not it's publicly funded, it's privately publicly owned. funded, just privately owned, which means that CEOs can get 14 million dollar paychecks this year and billionaires can grow their wealth by another two trillion dollars in 2020, while the lowest uh, paid workers in America lose one point six trillion dollars worth of wealth in 2020. Right. But. Like I said, I just wanted to interject that just real quick. And if they have problems, we can just bail them out again. Only only if they are the capitalists, not the everyday people. We have to argue for months about sending them a $1,400 check. We didn't have to think twice about doing the first, what was it, the first trillion? Mm -hmm. Like right, right in March, right when everything started. It was there was not a single debate nope. from Democrats nor Republicans. Let's right. be clear. <laughs> oh, but also, but also they have to they have to agree. These companies have to agree with my policies because now we're talking about we're debating for some reason pulling out those subsidies from the four largest uh, airline companies in America, plus the largest soft drink manufacturer, plus the three largest banks and creditors. Because they said that the Georgia voting laws were bad. <laughs> Sorry, who who's this system working for again? I, I the owner that. class. 
Yeah. The, the owner class. And I, I wish we could, I wish more of us had that kind of terminology, like owner class, means of production. Um, because again, I, I think we've been sold the idea that if we just do the hard work, we'll we'll get we'll get property, we'll be able to save up, and we can become millionaires, just like everyone else is a millionaire, even though it was our relations and and large capital investments that made them self-made, quote unquote, self-made millionaires. Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, like all of them, the self quote unquote self-made ones in our own lifetimes had inordinate amounts of help right. to get there. Yep. And since, we don't see it. Well, and since since we're mentioning it, George Monbiot, and I don't think I'm saying his name correctly, who is a British writer known for his environmental and political activism, said uh, something that I think is very poignant here. If wealth was the inevitable result of hard work and enterprise, every woman in Africa would be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. Right on. But the problem is that wealth is not the inevitable outcome of hard work. Because I promise you there are people who work way harder than I do, who make way less than than I do. And I also promise you that I work, that I personally work a lot harder than Jeff Bezos does. But I'm not worth, what is it, $200 billion? Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The people that are doing all of the, you know, service industry jobs and working all the hours and the hazards that they're going through. I mean, it's like the lowest paid in our country, I feel like are some of the hardest working people. Yeah. And we realized through this pandemic that, oh, wait, we needed them. Like we we wouldn't have been able to survive without. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and healthcare workers, too, but our food industry Right. Service industry people. And we we can't raise their minimum wage and get them right stimulus checks and in time and all that. And oh, but we made an uproar about the unemployment, six extra six hundred dollars in unemployment. And it's like, well, if people really were loving that extra unemployment, let's look at why. (laughs) Right. And we already we already know, um, and there's been a few recent studies that have shown this. Um, in in actual U.S. cities, that universal basic income actually helps everyone and stimulates the economy. We've been saying all through this pandemic, oh, we've got to get op- get things open because it'll save the economy. And we have very literally said it's okay to let a few people die for the sake of saving yeah. the economy. Right. But we have the means to make sure that everyone can participate in the economy. Um, but we we simply choose not to. We choose to make sure that only certain people are able to profit. Americans' labor is more productive than it has ever been in the history of the country. Yet, people are in greater poverty than ever. Mm-hmm. More of us. And of course, the poverty line is is outdated by a number of years just so that to the rest of the world stage, we don't tell people just how poor the richest country in the world, one of the richest countries in the world is. <laughs> well, I saw a, I saw a graph this week that said if, um, if all of the wealth in America was distributed equally among Americans, the average American would be six times richer. Mm. So six times more 
more money in our bank accounts, right? But if all of the wealth in the world was distributed equally among every all seven and a half billion people on the planet, the average American would be less than twice as wealthy. Mm-hmm. Which a says a lot about oh. yes, our personal standing as Americans, sure. But also within our country, we don't realize that. We really do think that I'm I'm one uh, a good idea away from being the next Bill Gates. I'm just one good investment away from being mm-hmm. Warren Buffett. And no, <laughs> <laughs> Bill Gates started off with with a few million dollars from his parents. Steve Jobs started off with a couple million with a million, I think, from his parents. Uh, like these these people started off already with like they weren't just one investment. They weren't one idea away. They already had a leg up and a hand up. And they were a couple of steps up the ladder already when they started off. So for them, getting to the top was just, they didn't have to build the ladder like the rest of us do. But we as Americans don't get that concept because we look at Guatemala and go, oh, well, I'm better off than the average Guatemalan, of course. So that means I'm I'm closer to Bill Gates. No, you're closer to poverty and being homeless on the street than you are to ever having $100 million to your name. Right. So Kyle, are there are there things that we can do to change 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 this the, our everyday experience, or to be working toward a society that maybe more better reflects these Jesus like ideas of of caring for every human um, and making sure that every human um, is able to to thrive in a way. Um, what 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 kind what kind of things might we want to be thinking about or or looking looking for in our own lives? One of the things that I think about a lot is um, class consciousness, and that is uh, kind of a, kind of a jargon word that means being aware of the different economic interests and pressures that people experience. Uh, there's an owner class who purchase the labor of you and I in order to make profit off of our labor. Um, and there's, you know, us. Uh, we have to sell our labor in order to eat. We have to sell our labor in order to live um, under a roof and to have heat uh, and to have access to health care. Um, and to realize that, so, so what I try to do is narrate to people what those different interests are like. The owner class wants us to be productive. We want to survive. Um, the owner class is not motivated by, um, a sense of goodwill towards other people. Uh, the owner class is, is motivated toward building its own wealth. Uh, and all Christians agree with that, right? Christians insist <laughs> that people are intrinsically selfish. Um, so we don't believe in good billionaires because we don't believe in good people, right? 
Uh, talk to me about human nature, please. I mean, but mm-hmm. but we can't we can't change church policies because then our givers won't give, right? <laughs> <laughs> um. So for one, I I I've made it a habit just interpersonally more and more to remind people that your boss might be kind to you in some ways, uh, but your boss's interest is extracting your labor value uh, to make profit. Uh, And capitalism, professional managerial class uh, that stands between the owner class and the other workers to be friendly, to appear to make common cause, uh, just to better extract that labor value. I thought it was just being part of the team. We we don't, aren't we all going above and beyond to to just we're a family at this company, right? That, that's all the workers that are going above and beyond to line the pockets of the owner class. <laughs> but but everyone benefits when we all when we all pitch in, right? I mean, if the company makes an extra billion this year, that means all the all the workers are going to benefit from that, aren't they? That is the question to ask. Where does that money go? We know that CEOs get bonuses. Uh, when was the last time Target employees got bonuses uh, based on the company's profitability? That's a good question. That, these are great questions to ask. My, so, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say my last boss um, used to, which I, I've worked at at churches for the last 12 years, but my last boss uh, would ask me at least once a week, Kevin, are you, what was it? Are you putting money into the church this week or are you taking money out of the church this week? What? Wow. And he always, yeah, as, as we were, as you were saying this, Kyle, uh, like that quote popped into my, my head. And he would always kind of laugh about it and he wouldn't ever really wait for my response because it was just a joke, right? He was just joking around um, wink, until, wink. right, until the week that. What does he think a joke is? <laughs> well, Where's the funny a, part? Well, he's an ass. So there's that. <laughs> um, no, but he, it was always a joke, air quotes here, uh, until the week that. We were we were doing some major renovations and I had a part of that. And I told him that uh, I was going to keep that. My wife was going to go out of town for just over the weekend. And I was going to have my son like my oldest son was just going to stay with me because there was no need for him to travel with her. And he pulled me into like a side room, basically, and yelled at me for half an hour about how if I had my kid with me over the weekend, if I, you know, was a dad for more than 48 hours, then I was going to be costing the church time and money when I should be uh, helping to raise the church's bottom line. Blink, blink. Wow. That's when you do this. Raise that finger. (laughs) You mean your first finger, right? First finger. No, I recorded that conversation and went to the the board of directors of the church and said, "Hey, this is what your your pastor just said to me," and they all shrugged and said, 
well, we don't know what to do in this case. And I said, okay, well, I hope you all know wow. this is why I'm leaving. This is Dang. why I quit. So anyway, Listen, yeah. No, I like tell I said, people that I'm shameless. <laughs> but that man was without shame. Wow. Oh, no, and clearly I, there was no shame in the in the board because they, the, they were like, well, I guess that's just the way the cookie crumbles. There were there were, I think, seven people on the board at the time. And that, that was like related. the number. You no, know, <laughs> that was like the number, the maximum number that there could be. And there are currently three members on the board from last I heard. Wow. They are still defending the this same pastor who oh. left under dubious circumstances. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Anyway. Kyle, back to you. I was going to say, when, when that comes be, out, that's going to be messy. One of the ways I think that we fight capitalism is, is by telling a better story. Um, real uh, Kind of discovering the ways in which capitalism, um, the, the idea that we need to be making money for someone else, um, it, it infects the way we think about things, right? Productivity is a virtue. Productivity... We've got the explicit rating on this podcast, right? Yep. Yes. Productivity is not a fucking virtue. Prudence <laughs> is a virtue. Justice is a virtue. Love, hope, faith, or theological virtues. Productivity is not a fucking virtue. Um, and so, like, I, I, I had a friend uh, message me and say, you know, this was spring break. I should have worked ahead uh, on my schoolwork. And I said... You know, breaks exist for a reason. Um, and, and also, you know, doing anything in this last year is three times harder for all workers and all students. Um, you know, as, as a teacher, like right now, my, my job is like trying to help students find a bright spot in their day. Like, never mind being productive under capitalism. Um, like, we need to help each other survive. Um, and so recognizing um, what's up with, with, like, the need to be productive. It's like, well, why? Let's, let's talk, talk that out. I'm curious about a, a scripture about if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Can you tell us about that? Well, I'm always happy to talk about scripture. Um, I think this is uh, what I think this is 1 Thessalonians, uh, where Paul uh, says, uh, if, uh, if somebody doesn't work, they shouldn't eat. Um, in context, uh, this is folks who are uh, he's describing people who are doing the opposite of what folks were doing in the Acts of the Apostles. Um, one of the major themes of, of 1 Thessalonians is, has the return of Jesus happened yet? Is it about to happen? When's it going to happen? How do we prepare for that? Um, and uh, by the way, uh, this might be the only passage of scripture that was written into the constitution of the Soviet Union. Mm. Um, but, uh, uh, and, and Paul's, Paul's like, oh, wow, there are some people in the community that 
because they're so excited for Jesus coming back. They're, they're just sitting around and like letting other people feed them while they dedicate themselves to prayer and waiting. But actually, no one assigned them to this. Nobody agreed to this. Interesting. Um, and Paul's like, uh, no, they should get off their tails. Quit, quit giving them food when they're not participating in the common labor of the community. You mean like the like the one percent? Oops. Like the one percent, <laughs> oh. right? Because the owner class is not the workers. The owners are not workers. They're making mu- they're making profit off of like banker math and your labor, mm-hmm. but they're not doing stuff. You mean my landlord is not working? <laughs> uh, he's calling the plumber. Uh, do you consider that work? Mine is- doesn't even call it a plumber. Real talk. <laughs> well, shit. Yeah. That ain't work. Hey, hey, talking to people on the phone during a panini when we are as <laughs> pressed as we are is hard work. I but have millennial phone different. fright. I am sympathetic. Hey, I'm a Gen Xer <laughs> and I still don't like talking on the phone. Give me the text any day. <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell just had it, just <laughs> yeah. had it wrong. We are beside the point. Yes. So, I'm question. I'm curious um, because about that whole thing because we hear so much about you know you can get by if you pull up your bootstraps and you know do all that stuff and I I feel like that verse like that's what everybody is always saying it means is like that's the pull up your bootstraps verse you know when now you're giving us a whole different context to it so now I'm like. Mm, that's really interesting but it makes a lot of sense because like we you know we talk about the trickle down economics and that how it's not working but yet if we could divvy up you know gates and um bezos and every all of those people their wealth we could equally distribute that and people wouldn't have to be pulling up their bootstraps anymore and i don't know that doesn't make sense much but i don't know i feel like there's just such a don't laugh at me darren i see no i'm i'm actually about (laughs) to add to what you're saying because what i'm hearing you what i'm hearing you describe uh is a basically wealth redistribution. Right. And I'm really curious to see if Kyle has thoughts about wealth redistribution, because again, that's the, that's the boogeyman. It's, it's, that's the monster of they're going to take your money and they're, they're pointing at the worker class. They're saying they're going to take your money and give it to somebody who's homeless, but they're not actually talking. I don't think about real wealth redistribution. So could you, could you enlighten us on that, Kyle? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, The owner class, the core of their propaganda is getting you to sympathize with the owner class as if you were an owner and not a worker. Um, And so like more taxes would fall on like great piles of gold, right? On capital accumulation of, of wealth and goods, not on the workers. Um, 
and and redistribution of of wealth like if we're talking about money um that's going to come from the companies that don't pay taxes right remember like amazon doesn't pay federal mm-hmm. taxes right um right famously like there are lots of companies that that don't pay much in taxes because we literally tell ourselves they're doing us a favor by existing and they deserve not to pay taxes where workers deserve to pay taxes. And that is insane. Um, <laughs> and to pay more taxes right. in many cases. Hello? Like right now, I yeah. think workers are paying more taxes than the most wealthy in this country, percentage yeah. wise. Yes. And, and, and remember from uh, a few weeks ago, your conversation on uh, uh, tithing and percentages uh, a, a certain percentage for a worker is a heck of a lot more dear than that percentage for an owner. Yeah. Um, and so socialism is about democratizing work. Socialism is about democratizing economy. Um, it means that the people who do the labor control what work gets done and the people who do the labor receive the benefit. Does that mean taking things away from the owner class? Yes, it does. Um, but it's it's all about why do the owners deserve to be owners and why do the workers deserve to be workers and not owners? Right. Which homeless people deserve to be homeless and which ones don't? which families deserve to have all the food they need this month and which families don't and what makes that difference. Right. And I mean, could, could Amazon exist as this multi-billion dollar organization without the people that are generating all the profits that are moving through these warehouses and so forth? Would, would the, the, these pharmaceutical companies be able to have all this stuff without the people <laughs> who have the knowledge and insight to actually make these things. They don't simply exist because right. the company has a, has a, has a corporate structure, but we will never see it. You can invent all the things and you typically will not see it unless you're in the owner class and being in the owner class has nothing to do with your qualifications, has nothing to do with how much work you've put in. It really isn't even about your own money. Because it, it is, the system is set up to fund people who have money, not to make sure people have access to money so that they can, no, it, it, it doesn't work that way. Um, so I, I feel like, I feel like we have, you know, the churches often talked about, talk about not being deceived. And I really feel like we collectively have been deceived into thinking that the most God honoring way the most Jesus-like way is to support the ones that Jesus said would have a lot of trouble getting through <laughs> through the kingdom, have a lot of trouble making it through the uh, through the gates, if you will. Capitalism um, is literally a system that serves a mammon. It's in the name capitalism. It is building capital. It's oriented to capital. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness gracious. We are just about out of time. 
And I have so I have so many thoughts. So 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 many thoughts. We could definitely make this into a a year long thing. I I feel like every uh, conversation we have could be just a its own <laughs> forty part series. <laughs> forty part series. I could come back. I don't get invited to a lot of parties these days. <laughs> Is that we. is that in the before time as well, <laughs> or is that in the in the current scourge that is I'm, uh, the Panera? I'm not going to respond to that. I'm not going to answer that. Question. Okay. Well, <laughs> see, since we love Jesus and we love you, we we'd love to invite you to coffee sometime. Ooh, good. no, we like. Pray for Kyle. you. We like. Oh, Kyle. oh sorry. We don't want to we'll push. Take you out for a beer. Time. How about that? Yeah. There you go. Beer. <laughs> yeah. Chris, that's what the reforms do. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I mean, hey, you know, I, I think it's time come for us to create some new traditions. Come as you are. I mean, I, I, I guess I thought y'all might bring a libertarian on and we'd end up getting a oh. lot more heated. But, you know, I, I, I did think about what does it mean for us to have have a leftist on and not bring a hard right person or anything. But then I was like, you know what? It's our at, podcast. We can at do the end of the want. day. Right. They have no shortage of airplay uh, and representation right. and so forth. And no. every time we say stuff, we end up on FBI watch lists. Yes. So <laughs> I hope y'all are ready. I've Did you see that years. you can actually purchase a lapel pin that reads black identity extremist? What? I mean, it makes sense. Makes me so happy. <laughs> I I have not heard of that before. That's anyway. That's it's colorful. I'll say that much. Kevin, <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kyle. Any if 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 we want to uh, join the 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 radical socialist party. <laughs> The Christian Marxists of America. Yes. What, the CMAs, as they're called. <laughs> Where would you suggest people learn more about what this means, especially if you have any resources that help them think about it through the lens of their faith? I would get started if you are the podcast type, and since you're listening, you are. Uh, the Magnificast, as in Mary's Magnificat, I love uh, it. And podcast. It's the Magnificast. I, I love it just because of the name. <laughs> uh, it's been it's been going for a while. Um, and and I and I quite like it. It is worth your time. Uh the Magnificast is is excellent. Um they're they're funny, uh, they're they're savvy to Christian culture. Um and uh, I enjoy them a lot. Uh for reading, have a look at um, the Institute for Christian Socialism. Uh, they've got a great website and they're on Facebook and their, their periodical is called The Bias. Uh, but it's the Institute for Christian Socialism. Uh, be sure to check them out. Um, and also another podcast I like is called Entry Level Left. Um, <laughs> And what I really like about those folks is they start with definitions. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and people are, people are sloppy about words. Um, and, 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 and I think we all here know, based on the conversations I see us have uh, online with different people, uh, you got to have some sensible definitions to talk about the same, the, the same thing. 
Um, so I like entry level left because it starts with concepts and definitions. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, I just, I just added all of those to my playlists, by the way. Yay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Immediate follow. Um, yeah, this is, this has been awesome. I actually really do have a lot to chew on and think about, um, in my, in my own, uh, in my own agenda. Um, this is, this is me announcing the gay agenda. Um, <laughs> I am, I am digging so much more into what does it mean for us to care about every human? What does it, what does it look like for us to do what we mean you know, do what we say when we, when we, and mean it when we say that we care about people. Um, so for me, that's everything from abolishing the prison industrial complex and looking at the way that, uh, that capitalism really informed both enslavement and the prison system and anti-Blackness globally. Like there are so many levels to the ways, the ways that, that maintaining the owner class informs so many things all the wars it is it informs it informs the creation of race in the united states it informs the ways that our laws are working right now there are states paying private owners because they can't lock up enough people not because there's anything wrong but there's just the states owe owners because not enough people are in jail in the most incarcerated country in the world. So before I start off into a whole nother podcast, I want to thank Kyle for being with us. Um, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, if you have thoughts, and I'm sure many of you do, please email us at, um, what is our email address? <laughs> the CLR podcast at gmail.com. If you have comments, please email us at the CLR podcast at gmail.com. Um, that is the same for our Twitter, the CLR podcast. Um, and we are on Facebook as well. We want to hear from you. Leave a comment. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. We probably won't read the don't likes. Well, maybe. We'll assign Stacy to read those and respond to those. But uh, we do want to hear from you. And we'd love to have you back, Kyle, because I have so many more things. Because we haven't even talked about, like, politics hardcore yet. Oh, we I just love that. Yeah. We yeah, we, we like, got to get there. The overall 50,000-foot view economics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, politics is money. But still, yes, we, we have so much more to get into and since Stacy has been leading us to be part of the godless left for a long time. Uh, Yay. <laughs> I just, I just want to go. I mean, well, Stacy did it. And then Lil Nas yeah. X really signed the deal for me. We probably need to have like an in-between episode just so I can talk about Lil Nas X for a full hour. Mm -hmm. This is the gonna, longest outro him. I've ever done. <laughs> I'm going to tweet him and see if he'll come on the podcast. He actually has been showing up for smaller wow. podcasters and YouTubers because, again, the gay agenda is going to flip everything on its head. And mm -hmm. I'm just going to own that and mm -hmm. you'll have to deal with it. So, Love queer it. power. Um, <laughs> 
And that's my cue. It is time for us to go. Thank you so much for being here. Please uh, give us five stars on anything that lets you rate it. Share it with your friends. Make someone upset. Take them a coffee so you can tell them all about this podcast. I don't know what you have to do, but by all means, like, retweet, subscribe, follow, and we will see you next time on the Church Leaders Podcast. Y'all, my American dream is to live in a funeral home with five cats and to write. And I don't have that yet. And that's why I'm a leftist. Capitalism has failed me.